We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Lance is great. I, I, you know, I remember being in spring training and been in a meeting with a bunch of the coaches and catchers and uh, just kind of telling them how, you know, it was, it was nice to just catch a guy who uh, didn't really think too much and he was attacking the strike zone. Um, and that's pretty much what, what he's done all year. It seems like that's what he's done his whole career. I mean, He's gonna come at you. He's gonna put pressure on you, and uh, and you better be ready for 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 him on the mound. That is Chicago White Sox catcher Yasmani Grandel talking about Lance Lynn, the starting pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, and we have Scott Merkin of MLB.com in Houston, good enough to take time out for us this evening. And Scott, first of all, I can't imagine how busy you are. I really appreciate you taking some time for us. I hope that Houston has been kind to you so far. It was a busy day today, but uh, relaxing before I go off to dinner and then ready for game one tomorrow afternoon. Is, it, is this getting old hat for you now that it's two years in a row, or is this still a fairly new feeling for uh, No, you know, last year was... Last year was different for us, too. You know, obviously the players have talked quite a bit about how different it was because they played three games in Oakland with no fans, you know. And for us, I think uh, Lamont Pope, who is the Tribune beat writer, was the only one of the beat writers who traveled to Oakland for that three-game series. So it basically was kind of a, you know, I mean, it was a it was a playoff series, but it, first of all, it was over by, like, because, you know, the season ended a little earlier. So I think I was done by, like, October 3rd with the season. And all three games were from home. Now, if they would have gone to the next couple rounds, that would have been interesting, especially with the state of our country at that point. But everything hopefully is good right now. We're all out here a lot. You know, everyone's out here in full force and ready for massive coverage in the middle of uh, a big sports news front, right, with Justin Fields and the sky and everything else and Jed Hoyer talking today. So it's a, uh, it's a busy time in Chicago sports. You know, Scott, I, I think the place I want to start here is – Give me a, a medical report. Let's go in the MASH unit. How, how healthy, how ready is this Chicago White Sox team? One of the things that jumps out when you start to do some homework on them, I, I, I found this stunning. Maybe it's just me. But there's literally only five guys on the roster who played 100 games this year. You've got Lurie Garcia, Vaughn, Yon Moncada, Tim <clears throat> Anderson, Jose Abreu. That's it, you know, and even in that group, you know, Garcia 126, Vaughn 127, um, you know, not necessarily a bad thing if you're a very deep baseball team, but a little unusual right. when you talk about a championship contender. And think about it, almost every one of them had some sort of physical issue they dealt with. You know, uh, Vaughn has been battling back problems. You know, Brave's been taken to taken to every step you can possibly get physically and still keeps bouncing back, but 
you know, this is, you know, that that's the thing people keep pointing out about the Houston series. The Houston series at Minimate, I think it was June 17th to the 20th, I want to say, um, was probably the worst series the Sox played this year. They were competitive in one game when Rodon was dominant. They lost in a walk-off, and I think they were outscored 27-8 to overall, 25-6 to without that 2-1 loss there. But they also didn't have Robert. They didn't have Eloy Jimenez. They didn't have Michael Kopech. So it was a really it was a different team, not to take any away from the guys filling in because the Sox won a lot of games with those guys in there. But it's a different thing when you're, you're in Houston. I, w- I will add that, you know, Liam Hendricks brought up a great point today about Houston is that he said what he's noticed over the years, including playing them last year when he was at Oakland in the LDS, is that Houston is a different team come playoff time. You know, he said they, you know, uh, to use an old Jake TV term, boat race Houston last year, just crushed them in the regular, I'm sorry, yeah, Houston in the regular season, and then Houston beat them in the division series. So it'll be interesting and you know, Minute Maid Park is one of the best home venues you can find in terms of noise-wise and everything else. But back to your question, they're healthy, but it seems like even every time they get healthy, there's something there. Now, I get every team has dealt with that this year. You know, the Dodgers, who are one of the best teams in baseball, have dealt with it. So, I mean, you play through it, especially going from 60 games to 162. But, you know, they're still waiting to find out on Rodon's shoulder or announce that and what's going on, you know. He's dealt with some soreness and fatigue, which probably is to be expected considering he threw – 42 and a third innings combined in 19 and 20, and then through 132 and two thirds innings this year. And then, you know, popping out out of nowhere is Jose Abreu, his under the weather, not COVID related. That's been made official, but he had the flu, you know, Saturday did not play in the Sunday regular season finale and did not travel with the team yesterday. But the team issued a statement today that he is, you know, traveling to Houston tonight. He might be here already probably. And knowing Jose, as I do from covering him for eight years, you know, if he can physically put on the uniform and put on cleats, he will be in that lineup tomorrow. And it's interesting because we were there later, a few of us at Minute Maid Park, and they were doing like a run-through of the activities tomorrow. And they announced a White Sox lineup that had Jose Abreu hitting third and playing first. Now, again, that might have just been a practice lineup for, you know, what they were working on, but we'll see if that comes through. I, I would be very surprised unless this flu just totally drained him for three days if Jose Abreu is not starting and playing first tomorrow. So... Tell me about now, Rodon. You know, you hope is healthy, and and I look at this pitching staff, and and you know, one of the things that I thought was the most exciting about this ball club at the start of the year was to have this rotation, really five or six deep, if you think about it. And yet, other than Lynn, I, I don't know that any of them have had the year you would hope for or expect. And then Rodon was the most pleasant surprise. I mean, you look at Giolito, who's been up and down. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, did not establish himself as the number one ace that you thought he was going to be, you know, at the end of last season. I, I think that most would agree that that's Lance Lynn right now. And, and Dallas Keuchel has struggled, you know. And, and so going in, I assume it's still Lynn, Giolito, and Rodon, they hope. But how significant is it if Rodon's not 100%? Yeah, I would argue that, you know, Giolito, first of all, had a really good second half when he said, you know, he talked about taking his focus up a level. I think he had a 2.65 ERA over second half. And you can't overlook Dylan Cease, who finished third in the American League in strikeouts behind uh, Garrett Cole and Robbie Ray, who ironically neither one is still alive in the postseason. But, you know, he, he really took a step forward, too. So I think if Rodon can't pitch in game three for some reason, I, I think that's a big loss, mainly because he's been as good as any starter in baseball when he's healthy. A, and B, he's been dominant against Houston in two starts this year. But, you know, you have Cease that's available, and I think one of the reasons they went the way they did with Lynn and uh, Giolito is they probably 
felt a little more comfortable with Lynn going on short rest if there is a game four, and then Giolito pitching on regular rest if there is a game five. So I could very easily see them going with three starters, which may not bode great for Carlos Rodon being part of the playoff roster, but we'll find out more on that tomorrow. You know, I, I think they need Rodon. They're certainly going to need Rodon in a seven-game series. Maybe in a five they can get through it, but, I mean, he's been just so good this year. I mean, look at the number of times he's pitched at least five innings with, like, two or two hits or less. I think it's, like, nine or ten. It's been really an amazing season. And, you know, unfortunately, he's dealt with some physical issues down the stretch. But they do have three quality starters and a guy like Michael Kopech and even Ronaldo Lopez, who struggled a little bit down the stretch, but, you know, has pitched pretty well overall, who you can kind of back up if you were to even use Rodon in game three or even behind Dylan Cease in game three. Yeah, and Scott, let, let me be as clear as I can. As a dyed-in-the-wool Chicago Cubs season ticket holder who inherited his tickets from his dad, who got them from his dad, and has never been more disappointed with, with his team, I would trade the Cubs' entire Major League roster and farm system for the White Sox starting pitching. <laughs> you know, Nobody is suggesting that it's not still uh, you know, a great rotation. And then when you look at it, Cease and Giolito, uh, even Rodon, still relatively young. We got Kopech in the equation. You know, I think that's what's so exciting about this team. But but you try and bring the focus down now to a five-game series. And, right, right. Um, you know, you just hope that, that, that Giolito and Lynn can go out there, you know, and set the table. And then maybe you're not so dependent. I mean, the, the worst thing that could happen is if you get to game three and it's Rodon and, and you're in a must-win situation, you don't know if he's 100%. Yeah, I think the big one is game one. McCullers has done very – McCullers has been as good – against Houston as Rodon has been, I'm sorry, against the White Sox as Rodon has been against the White, uh, Houston. So if you win the game one with Lynn, who obviously has been very good, he'll probably finish, you know, third or fourth in the Cy Young voting this year. You have Giolito, who has been great in Houston and against Houston. Now, again, as Liam Hendricks pointed out today, and we've talked about this over and over again over the last few weeks, none of those numbers matter. You know, I mean, Giolito can be lifetime, have a 1.5 ERA at Minute Maid Park and give up six runs in the first two innings on, you know, Friday. No one knows what's going to happen. It's a, the different animal come playoff time. But yeah, I think if the Sox can even just split here, they're in really good shape just because of the fact that they're so good at home. Houston is very good in their place too. And obviously if they win the first two, there's a lot of pressure on the White Sox then, you know, like you said, because Rodon is uncertain. Cease has been great this year, but still a young pitcher, just, you know, kind of really getting his major league legs under him. And then you're going with Lynn and short rest. If you have to get to four or Giolito, you know, in game five. So yeah, I, I think the Sox probably they won't say it. They want to win every game they play, but I think their quiet focus is let's split out here in Houston and take our chances. You know, Scott, I, I think one of the things that, that, that has to be so exciting for Sox fans, not only with that starting pitching, but I don't remember seeing a team coming into the playoffs with, with a Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell back-to-back, but... Uh, Hendricks seems to have figured out whatever was bugging him a few weeks or months ago. Uh, what what happened to Craig Kimbrell? I mean, he, he was, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a reliever as dominant as he was until the trade. And then it seems like things started going haywire. You know, where is he at heading into the playoffs? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Liam Hendricks' wife, Christy, should probably be, on staff for the White Sox because Liam had those two really bad outings against the Yankees. I want to say he gave up six runs in like an inning and a third. One was in Dyersville, and then one was that Saturday following at home. And I think he told us it was his wife who said that you're tipping pitches. You know, she 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 noticed something or told him something. And since then, he has been – look at those. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to say it's like 
one walk and 35 strikeouts in 21 innings, and he's given up one earned run during that time. But again, as he pointed out today, it doesn't matter come you know tomorrow. But yeah, he's as good a closer as there is in baseball. And the interesting thing was, you're right for the first you know, two thirds of the season, Kimbrell was probably one A or, you know, or Hendricks is one A. They were both down. I mean, Kimbrell's numbers to the Cubs are basically inhuman, right? I mean, he had given up like 12 hits in 45 innings or something like that. He struggled some with the White Sox, but now, you know, the test will come when they need him. And, you know, they do have other options down there. They have Aaron Bummer, who's a ground ball machine down there, Ryan Tapera, Garrett Crochet, and Michael Kopech. So there certainly are options besides Kimbrell, you know, to set up, Hendricks, but you know, obviously the opt- the the main goal is to get Kimbrel ready, you know, for the eighth inning to to feed the ball to Hendricks. You know, I, this is probably not relevant to this series, but I am curious with Michael Kopech. I I think they did a wonderful job of rehabilitating him this year. Obviously, the bullpen was the place for him, but he's so dominant when he's on. I assume they still see his future as a starter, don't they? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, both Kopech and Crochet were talked to Garrett Crochet were talked about as starters of the future. And they really haven't had a huge amount of innings this year. I think they're both in the 60 range. But, you know, to be honest, I don't think anyone really right now is talking about where they're going to be. But, yes, to your point, your point is valid that, you know, Kopech is going to be a starter. I don't know how they'll handle that next year, you know, because you're not going to jump him from, you know, three years off because of injury and COVID. And not that he had COVID, that he, you know, opted out that season. Mm -hmm. And then back this year in 62, you can't jump to like 170 next year. Obviously, that'd be a little much. Maybe you can get close to it, but. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Kopech and Crochet, considering they still have, you know, under control, Giolito, Lynn, uh, Keiko, Lopez, and uh, Cease. So, and then, you know, Rodan will be a free agent. So there are pitching options there already. But, yeah, I, I still think Kopech they envision as a starter. So if you're a White Sox fan, you've just got to be salivating over all this young talent. Um, and, 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 you know, it's not just about what happens in the next week or two. The future could not be any brighter, I wouldn't think. But as we set up this series, you know, starting out tomorrow, uh, it, it, the, 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 the stats don't lie. You know, the White Sox dominated one of the, if not the worst divisions in baseball when they got in right. uh, with some of the elite. They didn't play their best baseball. And, and so what is the concern about that is they had, a, it's still an awfully young team, you know, certainly, you know, key veterans in a lot of spots. When you look at Abreu, when you look at Lynn, um, right. you know, you look at Keiko, but at the end of the day, it's it's a young team that that, that is built for this, but hasn't experienced it. Uh, what are the concerns about the level of competition? Yeah, you know, Grandal is in his seventh straight playoff series, or seventh straight postseason, I'm sorry. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I've had a couple of scouts who have told me that, you know, they've talked to other GMs who wonder how the Sox will respond when they, you know, they, they obviously played in the worst division in baseball this year. There was not one other team above 500. You know, basically the season ended when Shane Bieber went on the IL and Zach Plesak and uh, Aaron Savali, and that was it for Cleveland. You know, they had no chance at that point. Detroit and Kansas City were rebuilding, and Minnesota was miserable. But you shouldn't take away from the Sox. The Sox were a very good team. So, I mean, you can be a bad team or a really good team in a good division. To go to football, I think New England did that for many years, right, where they were the only really good team in that division, and they did pretty well. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't think the regular season means a ton. Of course, if they go out and lose three in a row and are done by, you know, Sunday night, then people will point to that. But I think it's just all about, how they're ready to play right now. Remember, you know, they missed Aloy for a good portion of the season. They missed Robert for a good portion. You know, uh, Grandal was off, like it was out for a month or like six weeks because of knee surgery. 
Kopech missed five or six weeks. Tim Anderson missed some time. So, you know, they did not have that full lineup together a great deal of time. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think it's a more focused group, for lack of a better word, than, than last year when they finished. You know, Giolito had a great quote about that where he said, you know, basically they clinched. They were the first team to clinch a playoff spot last year, and they pretty much said, okay, you know, we achieved our goal. And then they finished 2-8 and eight in the regular season, you know, lose home field in that first round, which would have been huge, I think and then get eliminated in three games by the A's. And I think this year they know there's more at stake. I'm not sure if it's comparable to, you know, the Cubs in 15 where they, you know, got to the LCS and then the next year won the World Series. I'm not sure if this year would be the Cubs 15 year, but I do think the Sox are better equipped for the postseason. And they have, you know, they have better talent and then nothing against Ricky Renteria, who I think did a great job. They have Tony LaRusso, who's won 70 postseason games, six pennants and three World Series. So you got the right guy calling the shots back there. Yeah, and hopefully he's figured out all the rules as the season has worn out. So, <laughs> I think he has. Uh, you, you got a Hall of Fame manager, man. I mean, we we can have fun at his expense. We we can we can debate. You know, there's obviously other choices. Probably a lot of guys that could have gotten them here. It's been an interesting year watching him. Uh, but right now, all that matters is you got a Hall of Fame guy with some rings and 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 certainly the experience you would want. You mentioned Eloy Jimenez, and we're visiting with Scott Merkin, who covers the White Sox for MLB.com. Uh, Eloy is, is a sore subject with me. I, I, I understood the Jose Quintana trade. Uh, I, 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 I liked it. I thought they should make it until I heard they were including Jimenez. I, I, I couldn't believe that they gave up both Jimenez and Cease in that deal. Um, and I think that the sky is just the, the, you know, the limit. There is no limit for this kid. But struggled a little bit coming back from the injury. Seems to have settled in a bit. Where, where is he at as he heads into this? And is he even, you know, locked in, is in that lineup? Uh, or I should say, you know, in, in right field. The thing with Aloy is he was amazing, you know, when he first came back and then did struggle the last month. But But one important factor about him is he's so talented offensively that if he gets on a 15-game role here, he can legitimately just carry this team throughout the postseason. You know, he has that capabilities. Now, I'm not saying no one else on the team needs to hit, but he can be the guy who changes games three, four times in a series. He's just that good. And I think, you know, he's, he's he, he did struggle a little down the stretch, but he said he started to feel better, you know, at the end. And that's another thing we should remember about last year's series is Aloy Jimenez, you know, I think played a couple innings in the entire series because he had hurt his knee in, the, in a game at Cleveland in the last week of the season. So, having him at full strength is going to be great. You know, I mean, I, I just think he's he's too talented to not contribute. But, I mean, again, these teams, you know, especially the Astro team that has been there many, many times, I think it's their fifth, going for their fifth straight LCS, I want to say, is they know how to pitch in the postseason. They know how to attack even the best of hitters. So it'll be interesting to see the chess match going back and forth. Scott, I want to get you off to dinner. One more question before we let you go, though. Let's talk about the matchups. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, how you got the 93 wins doesn't really matter. I think it was, what, a game or, or two games separated these two teams all year long. Uh, what, are, what are the matchups you like, and what are the ones that concern you? You know, someone asked me this today, uh, another interview in Houston here, and I, I think it's hard to, like, break down this. They're very evenly matched. You know, I know – the White Sox have done very well over the last couple of years against left-handed starters, and Valdez is going game two, I believe, as a left-handed starter. I think the Sox bullpen overall is a little better than Houston's. You know, I like Presley as the closer, but I'm not as so. And Graveman was a really nice addition for them from Seattle as a setup guy, but I don't know if their bullpen is as deep as the White Sox. And I think the Astros lineup might be a touch better than the Sox, but certainly two of the best lineups in baseball. You're talking like, you know, 
getting an A plus or an A on your final exam. You know, there's not much difference there one way or there. So I really think barring something surprising, barring someone just being completely taken off their game, off their, you know, skis, I think this should be, this could very easily go five games. I think it's that evenly matched. And, you know, I, I think people are overlooking Tampa Bay. They're very good, but I, I obviously they won a hundred games. They're an extremely talented team, but I also think the winner of the series could be the favorite to get to the, the world series. All right, Scott, I, I'm not, I, I've never tried and BS anybody on the air. I, I don't follow the Sox that closely in the baseball season and the bear season. It's tough. It is Lynn tomorrow, isn't it? It is Lynn. It's Lynn yeah, yeah. Giolito and TBD that right, Tony right. has. They said, I, th- I think as much as Rodon, you know, shoulder health is an issue. I think they're going to serve, you know, I, you know, they have these guys all ready to go. It's not like the regular season where you got to start tomorrow and then five days and whatever, you know, there's breaks built in. So I think it's going to be a look to see where are they at on game three? Are they down two Oh, are they up two Oh, is it one, one, you know, and go from there to see who they're going to pitch in that third game. Well, the reason I asked, and I promise I'm going to let you go now, but I just wanted to be sure I want to get your take on my theory. I, I really believe, based on everything we've discussed here and, and who Houston is, you know, forgetting all the old history and all that, I think game one is huge for the White Sox. I, you, you got your horse going. Um, uh, you know, for all the reasons we've discussed, you do not want to be playing from behind with this with this team. And, uh, you know, I, I from everything I've seen, which is not as much as you, I don't see any reason it couldn't go four or five games. But I think from the White Sox perspective, game one is probably a lot more important than it is for Houston. I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, if, uh, like I said, you have Giolito going in game two, who has done very well against Houston. And, you know, they're dominant team at home. They're the best team in the American League at home. So I, I really think if Houston takes game one, okay, that's fine. You got Giolito coming back, and you still have two more games in Chicago. Sox take game one. That really changes the whole shape of that series. No question about it. And the Sox really are firmly in control. Of course, that guarantees nothing, but it does put the Sox in the driver's seat, absolutely. Scott, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great time. Didn't realize, I, I actually did realize, I wasn't thinking about that you didn't get to travel and cover it. It wasn't the same thing last year. It is an exciting time, especially someone who's been on the beat as long as you have. I wish you the best of luck with it. We wish the White Sox and all your fans the best of luck with it. And uh, hopefully they can start it off with a win tomorrow. All right. I appreciate it. You know, and and the important factor here now, we, before I go, we have to talk about let's hope the Wolverines get to 6-0 and on Saturday night. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? i, I got to be honest it with you. It would be. I, I, I forgot we have that in common. I didn't really trust <laughs> him at all until last week, you know, but but I was impressed with, and I know Wisconsin is, you know, is one and three, but still, whatever, you know, one and four. Well, one and three, I think. Um, but but I'm starting to wonder now if they're not for real. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Nebraska's a, a better team than their record, and it's always tough in the Big Ten to play a Saturday night road game. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think they'll be okay with Nebraska. Then they, I think they get Northwestern. Then they got to go to East Lansing, and they got to go to yeah, that'll be Valley. tough. So if they are for real, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna pay the price to get there. So uh, be there you go. That as well. At least I'm not embarrassed to wear my Michigan stuff anymore. So you, know, that's, that's <laughs> you never should be up. Never I'm should be embarrassed, but a little shy about it until recently. So <laughs> we'll I got gotcha. you. Have a great time out there, man. Okay, Hub. Take care. 
That is Scott Merkin of MLB.com. We've got to take a commercial break here. Guys, we've got a lot more coming for you. We can take a few more phone calls after this break. At 8.40, my buddy Eric Edholm from YahooSports.com is going to join us. More NFL, more Bears talk. Right now, the phone number, 312-644-6767. Give me a call. We'll be talking to you in just a moment right here on The Score. Not since the first couple of weeks that I met him and I really saw what his preparation was like and, and his competitiveness and his drive and his want to be great. I mean, um, it doesn't surprise me. It, it doesn't. And, and again, um, there has to be a lot of credit here that goes to the people that he's with every day, like every day, all the time. So those two quarterbacks and Andy and Nick and, and Coach Laser and Coach Flip, those guys have done like this. Is, they, they knew going into this thing that how big this is. And uh, that's why the trust that I have in them and what they've done is uh, is pretty cool. And I think now Justin has has uh, worked hard to get to that point. Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy talking about the big reveal out at Lake Forest today, out at Hallis Hall, the announcement that Justin Fields is now the permanent starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. We're talking about it here at 670 The Score. I'm Hub Arkish with you for another hour and a half. Eric Edholm, my buddy from YahooSports.com, is going to join us in about 10 minutes. Uh, right now, good news from Wintrust Arena with 15 seconds left in the third period after leading by 13 at halftime. The Skies still lead the Connecticut Sun 65-58. It has closed to a seven-point game as they have Head into the fourth quarter, just three seconds now left in the third. And, you know, I, I'm looking in the tech zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin Save Time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. For all you clowns out there who think it's clever to make snotty comments about the sky and how irrelevant you think it is, you're the fools, okay? I, I mean, I, I'm not pretending to be a big fan. I don't follow it closely. But but these, these kids are, are exceptional athletes, and, and they are worthy of... Uh, have earned and deserve our respect and, and, and you know uh, that at the least if not you know some following of what they're accomplishing they are in the semifinals a win tonight they go to the finals for just the second time in franchise history the third period is now over they lead by 7 65 58 and we will try and keep you up to speed on that as we work through the remaining hour and a half of our program as well uh, let's get out to Antioch uh, I'm sorry get out to Ross and welcome Antioch. No, I had it right the first time. We'll go out to Antioch and welcome Roscoe. Roscoe, I'm sorry. I, I saw Antioch. I saw Roscoe. I wasn't sure if it was Roscoe Village, but thank you so much for joining us tonight. How you doing? Hi, good evening. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. What's on your mind? So uh, I got a I got a mental image in my in my head today with this announcement it's it's that little you know that that visual with the little car and then you get a bunch of clowns pouring out of it and just you know over and over again i look i have spent a lot of time thinking about this thing with with justin field and i suppose if if you're a if you're just a realistic guy you, this is this is the the yiddish word i think you're jewish it's besheret right this was meant to be I, I think at the end of the day, this is what it was meant to be. This is what should have happened all along. So I guess we shouldn't really care how we got here. But, boy, I, I just I, – they can't get seem to get out of their own way to do the right thing. But I'm glad they finally maybe did the right thing. And let's see how the kid does. Let's keep him upright and uh, see how he does. What do you think? 
Yeah, Roscoe, good call. I, I thank you, and I appreciate it. I, I, I don't know if they did the right thing or not. I think that has to be proven on the football field, not at Hallis Hall or on talk radio, um, and we'll find out. I think the kid's going to be a really good quarterback, uh, and I think they may finally have their franchise quarterback. I just don't know how quickly it's going to happen because he's definitely not there yet. Um, and, and you're right. It was always going to happen. I thought it was going to be a few more weeks. I just I just don't like when I see – things that 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 could be easily handled well and instead they come down this way and, and i really take offense to and i get upset again when i get some of these clowns texting or or, or whatever uh you know who you know who cares about Andy dalton who cares about other guys on the team who cares everybody should you know and and you want to see everybody treated right and treated fairly and treated with some respect andy dalton knew he wasn't going to finish the year as the starting quarterback um but but i think he deserved a little better than this and, and you know what even that i would say hey you know it's it, it's a tough world nobody ever said it was fair if this announcement today made more sense because there was no need to do it they easily could have justified starting him again this week against the Raiders, giving him more time to develop, you know, by simply saying that Dalton wasn't 100% and they didn't want to risk him. You know, they, they could have tried to get a performance that screamed, yeah, he's got to be the starter now, and that's not what we had Sunday. We had a few of the remarkable plays that we know he can make that have us so hopeful about the future, but you still had a mediocre to poor offensive performance against one of the worst teams in the league. You still have a team that can't convert a third down to save their lives. And no, it's not his fault, but as the quarterback, he's one of the most important guys to make it happen. And it's not happening yet. So, um, you know, Bashert, even though, you know, talking Yiddish may not be the best idea since there's not a lot of us who understand it, is correct. It was meant to be. It was going to happen. I just wish it had happened in a more professional um, way and that other people didn't have to pay the price that they're now going to pay to make it happen. So um, Bob out in Indiana, Dave out in Niles. Again, I'm going to ask you just to hang on with me for a few minutes. We've got another guest coming along. It is our last guest. The entire nine o'clock hour is open to your phone calls and texts. So we're going to get to everybody. But right now I've got to take a very quick commercial break. My buddy Eric at home is waiting. Uh, Eric is one of the best when it comes. He actually specializes in covering the draft and scouting college football for yahoosports.com but we raised him for about 11 years at pro football weekly he knows the whole nfl as well as anybody worked with me at shaw for a while on the bears beat and now working for yahoosports.com eric edholm is going to join us in just a moment right here on 670 the score this is justin's time and i think that again it kind of goes back to what what he was asking with with where we're at we're so confident in where he's at uh, uh, with where justin's at and just continuing we let, let him grow. Again, like I think the biggest thing is for us to understand that um, it's not going to be perfect. Justin knows that, right? We all understand. There, there's going to be some times that things happen, uh, but we got to stay, uh, continue to stay positive. Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy again talking about the big announcement today at Hallis Hall. Justin Fields is now the full-time permanent starter for the Chicago Bears. He's been the starter for the last two and a half games. Um, but today, uh, Matt Nagy ended the charade that, that Andy Dalton was going to be number one, that he'd get the job back 
uh, when healthy. That's not what's happening. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, that's the story. We've been talking about it all night. Uh, and it certainly uh, is going to be interesting to watch going forward. I don't want to jinx anything, guys, but the sky are close. There's now under six minutes to play. They are up 13 at the Trust Arena. If, if you want to see the end, uh, you want to turn your TV on with the sound down and stay with us. It is on ESPN, um, and uh, it's getting close now. So uh, we'll keep you up to speed on that as well. Right now, I am going to go back out to our guest line. Join us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Obviously, you can't join us there, but our guests do. And that is where Eric Edholm from YahooSports.com is sitting right now. Eric, thank you so much for taking time tonight. And I hope all is going well by you. My friend, everything's going great, and uh, yeah, got a lot to talk about, don't we? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I'm kind of distracted here because I, and I, I've, I've been honest with everybody. I'm not going to pretend that I'm the world's biggest WNBA fan, uh, <laughs> but I am fascinated by the sky and Candace Parker. Uh, she, she is I just a lover, and uh, not that I don't. I, I haven't been watching the game, so I don't know what kind of night she's having tonight. But I right. do know that the sky are up 11 with 5:22 to play, and if they win, they go to the finals for just the second time in WNBA history. Very cool. So, yeah, yeah. everybody up to speed on that as well. Uh, a lot of people making fun of me on the text line for even talking about it when the big news in Chicago today is Justin Fields is the starting <laughs> quarterback. Uh, but yeah. that's because they're idiots, not me. Uh, I think it's a great story. <laughs> However, the Bears story is huge. That and other NFL businesses, why we wanted you to check in with us tonight. I know you're specializing in uh, NFL draft uh, coverage for YahooSports.com, but covering the entire NFL as well. So l- let me take a step back from Justin Fields and talk about these five rookie quarterbacks in general uh just kind of we're at the quarter pole now i know the 17th week screws us up but for the most part this quarter of the season done um all five rookies uh well we don't know about trey lance actually he played the second half uh last week we don't know if jimmy garoppolo is going to be good to go this uh weekend or not but we know four of the five will be starting possibly all five what's your overall impression at this point so far based on where you had him heading into the draft yeah, I mean, I think I think guys are settling in a little bit, but it's been a rough first quarter of the year, right? I mean, Zach Wilson had a, a big game Sunday and led a, an upset in overtime, made some big throws. You know, Mac Jones, I think everybody walked away pretty impressed with what he did going toe-to-toe with Brady, you know, and just making some big throws after a little bit of a shaky start there. You know, Fields obviously had some, what, four hair-raising throws in that game, some some reminders of what he can do. And, and Trevor had a big performance in a close loss on Thursday. So last week was a good upswing, but the first three weeks were littered with issues. And so, you know, the question is, okay, this is the right direction, right? You'd assume that they would get better and get more comfortable, but there will be steps back to these guys. And, and you know, it's going to happen to Justin. It's going to happen to Trevor Lawrence. You know, Mac Jones, as mature as he looks, he's going to have a game or two where he takes sacks and throws picks. And so, yeah, I mean, we hyped this class up quite a bit for good reason. And yet we're, we're growing a little impatient on them, I think. So I, I'm still pretty optimistic about all five. And Davis Mills comes in and, you know, thrown into a weird deal in Houston. So I guess you'd say six. But really the first five, you know, are, are the ones we're paying most attention to. 
Yeah, I mean, Eric, I don't want to get too philosophical here. I don't want to get philosophical at all, but it says, I think, more about uh, where we're at as a society and this whole instant gratification thing than anything yeah. else because yeah. Yeah, everybody, everybody's really excited because now you've got a win for, uh, uh, you know, Zach Wilson. And, 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 you know, of course, Justin Fields got his first win, and it's almost like, okay, now they're starting quarterbacks and they're all going to be Patrick Mahomes. No, that's not the way this works, you know. And uh, right. I, 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 I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I don't even have to look at the schedule to know that there's a good chance that all five of them could lose again this weekend and not look good doing it that's that's what happens in developing these young quarterbacks it is probably the hardest position in all of sports to play and 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 that is why you know there are different paths and different ways to do this and and you know it was clear i think from the jump that jacksonville and the jets we're going to be two of the five, six, seven worst teams in the league again this year. So why not start these kids on day one? For everybody else, it's a little bit of a different puzzle because, you know, the 49ers uh, and the Bears and the Patriots, actually, ironically, of those three, the Bears, the only returning playoff team from last year, but all yeah, three right. had hopes of being playoff teams this year. And that's why you have to take a different path with these guys. And, and I know you can explain there is no one size fits all for developing these kids. I 100% agree. I mean, right, am I am I more in favor of, you know, leaning towards earlier than later? Sure. You know, especially when we've seen guys have success and, you know, if I don't I don't know the guys get ruined if they get thrown in there too too early, but I'm sure it's happened before. And I guess the question I would ask first of all is can I can I pass protect for them and can they protect themselves? Like are they going to know all the protections and all you know, the hot calls and everything else that comes with that from day one. That's the question I would ask. You know, when there was that scary hit on fields in the preseason, you know, it was obviously, I look like the lineman was kind of at fault there. So, but, you know, the recognition that comes with that too, those are the hits that make you think, are we doing the wrong thing? Are we doing the right thing? You know, how soon is too soon and do we have the right people up front? And New England's had pass protection problems. San Francisco has been okay. Chicago, we know the story here. Jacksonville has been terrible on the edge. So, you know, while I'm in favor of playing them, you had better be sure that they're not going to be playing on their back 12 times a game because that <laughs> doesn't develop anybody, I don't think. Well, and the other thing I wonder about, because, you know, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was the cream of the crop and, and I believe still is the cream of the crop. Again, I, I'm not forming any you know, long-term opinions on any of these kids at this point with what right. we've seen so far. But but how, how'd you like to be dealing with that head coach? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, as journalists, we are not supposed to, we are not allowed to. I try to never let my personal feelings get involved in analysis. But 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 to me, it's football analysis too. I just have no respect for the guy. And, and, and I think it's going to end badly because this is who he is, even if he turns it around now and things get better for a little while. And, and so... You gotta you gotta take the the long view on, on a guy like Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, and, and really for different reasons the rest of them too. Yeah, I mean, right. I, Urban Meyer came to town with plenty of suspicion from day one. It wasn't like obviously his reputation as a college football coach is pretty darn impeccable, even with you know the everything else that comes with him, and you know, two kind of you know scandal marred places in, in a couple of instances. So. You know, there was that plus the jump to the NFL and all these questions about kind of these odd things he's saying about, yeah, we're playing Alabama every single week. And, you know, I'm still learning this NFL game. And it, and it felt very 
un-Meyer-like to begin with. And it was always, you know, sort of awkward and strange before all this stuff happened last week. So, I mean, when you lose the locker room, if he has, I don't know, it, it's it's curtains. And so, like you said, what does that do for Trevor Lawrence? Are, you know, are they going to promote from within and hope to ride it out? Does that person have a chance to replace Meyer if he's fired at some point? Who knows? The questions are limitless at this point. So, You'd hate to see Trevor Lawrence or any young quarterback get stuck in a, you know, lame duck type of coach situation, knowing that somebody else is going to be scripting plays for him next year and and guiding his future. I mean, that's got to be a really rocky start to a career, much less one in Jacksonville. Let me ask you, you know, specifically now to the Bears, because we're local. I know you cover the entire NFL and have no particular specialty with the Bears, but I think probably have a little better sense of what the national view is right now of this team and where they're at. I mean, it's impossible not to be impressed by fields, um, but yeah. around the league, you know, everybody's two and two or three and one or one. Yeah. Know, and so you know, are, are people around the NFL writing off the Bears the way that Bears fans have? Because in this market, the reason they want fields is nobody believes that they're good enough to win another game anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's interesting on social media and then, you know, going on other cities' radio shows and hearing them ask about the Bears. Like, I've got more Bears questions this year probably because of fields and, and maybe because – Matt Nagy may be feeling some pressure. I, I swear I've gotten more through four weeks than I have in entire seasons before. So there is natural or uh, national interest in the Bears, but unfortunately it's kind of a curiosity as as in what has Nagy been doing as far as the quarterback handling and, and you know, who's getting starters reps when and who's the actual starter and who's healthy and who's not. You know, it, it's been a little bit of a circus from the outside looking in for a lot of people and you know, they're two and two and they feels about the same as the past two, eight and eight seasons. You know, the record's fine. The team has some flaws and can Justin cover some of those things up eventually. Maybe, you know, if you're healthy on offense, I I think they have a chance to stay in some games, but you know, if Max hurt, if Montgomery's banged up, I mean, all these different factors, it can, it can tumble quickly. I think. What, uh, you know, it's interesting. We got these national reports about four to five weeks uh, on, on David Montgomery. Uh, as of today, the Bears said they're not putting him on IR, which means that mm. they think that, that. Now, that could change, obviously, by Thursday or right. Friday. Um, and, and my guess is that um, one of the reasons not to is because if you're not going to bring somebody off the street, why open up the roster spot? Uh, and, and maybe you hope for the best. And I guess Damian Williams was a full participant in practice today. So, you know, maybe the quad injury is not that bad. Um, but uh, what, what had you heard about Montgomery? Anything different from these national reports that we're hearing? Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of the fact that they had, I, I assumed they were going to put him on IR. So I guess I just thought they were going to, I hadn't heard that they hadn't. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It at least gives you a little bit of hope for a couple of days. Maybe they see something to the point where they say, let's roll the dice, right? Let's wait and, and see if we can get them back before that window, you know, would normally open. So if that's the case, that's outstanding, right? Williams looked great last week when he filled in. You hope he's ready to go and healthy and everything. And, you know, at some point, maybe Cohen enters the picture as well. And, you know, you can kind of cobble things together if, if it's not a perfect pic- picture every single week. 
You know, Eric, I, I'm curious. They're on a three-game win streak, and as long as you know Arod is under center, they're 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 still the you know the cream of the NFC North. But even with that three-game win streak, I'm I'm still not necessarily buying the Packers. I I just I don't trust that defense. Uh, you know, hopefully they get Bakhtiari for, for them. Hopefully they get Bakhtiari back. Yeah. After six weeks, that'll make a big difference. But right now, the offensive line is, is uh, you know journeyman at best. Uh, what is your take on the Packers and and which which way the arrow is pointing on them? Yeah, I mean they're they're still I think people are still looking back at that, that week one loss to the saints who have been obviously up and down since then to go to new England and win and lose not last week against the giants at home. Um, and that is weighing pretty heavily in a lot of people's minds as in that kind of performance could happen theoretically any week. Right. I mean, like at Cincinnati, is this not like the classic trap game right here? They, they, like you said, they rip off three wins, the big one Sunday night at San Francisco, that sort of got the, the swagger back, I think, in, in A-Rod. You know, if they stumble this week against Cincinnati, you know, Joe Burrow stings them or something like that, or the Bengals' defense, which looks better, you know, could maybe get in A-Rod's head a little bit, then all of a sudden you're saying, okay, maybe week one was real and everything since has just been kind of a fool's gold or something like that. And then obviously I believe the Bears are – they come here right after that in two weeks, yeah, so – I don't know. I'll be curious to see how they look Sunday because they've had a little bit of a wave here. And, you know, it's it's not proven yet that they're elite. I thought they were among the best teams coming into the season. And then that week one game really did kind of rattle me and, and make me question some things about him. And I think you're right about Bakhtiari. He really is kind of the key up front. They've had to move guys around, and, and, it, and it's been a little bit tricky. Last question. I'll let you go, Eric. Are, are the Kansas City Chiefs in trouble, or are they just figuring out some early season stuff and still the team to beat in the AFC? Yeah, it's been defense that's been really kind of underwhelming. I think they're fine in offense. Like, they're still putting up these bonkers numbers. I'm not worried about what uh, that side of the ball, even if there's some things they could work out. But, yeah, defensively, you assume, like, Steve Smagnolo had gotten the respect. He'd gotten the good play out of him last year for the most part, especially early in the season, right from the get-go. This year, it hasn't been the same. They did have the one defensive touchdown. They've given up a lot of yards. They just don't have that second pressure player up front right now. They, they really would love to have a healthy, well-paid Frank Clark wrecking things so Chris Jones can do his thing. It's just not there right now. Eric, as always, I appreciate the time. I'm glad to hear everything is going well, folks. If you want the best in, you know, basically NFL coverage, certainly NFL draft coverage, scouting reports, information about the top college players, yahoosports.com. Eric Edholm, formerly of Pro Football Weekly, a longtime friend and, and uh, co-worker, uh, good enough to join us tonight. Eric, take care, man. I'll talk to you again soon. As we get ready to take a break at the top of the hour, they are getting ready to start popping the champagne corks at the Wintrust Arena, guys. Whether you're a fan or not, and I'm not pretending to be, this is really admirable. The Connecticut Sun were a huge favorite. They were far and away the best team in the WNBA all year long. As a matter of fact, I want to say, Brandon, check me. Did they have a 14-game win streak prior to... I think they'd won 14 in a row before the Sky won the opening game of the series. Uh, with 37 seconds to play, it is Chicago 79, Connecticut 66. They're going to have some fun celebrating tonight at Wintrust, and the Chicago Sky are going to the women's and the, the I'm sorry, the WNBA finals. 
for just the second time in franchise history. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we got an hour to go and nothing but your phone calls and texts. 312-644-6767. Any subject that's on your mind. We had a great time with Scott Merkin talking White Sox baseball as they get ready to take on the Astros tomorrow. Jed Hoyer had his year ender today. Not anything you know, that I could think of that really moved me one way or the other, just tremendously disappointed uh, in the ownership of that team uh, and, and where they're at right now. Seemingly, a, I don't want to say a rudderless ship. I like Jed. I, I think that he, you know, certainly earned his crack at this job and may do great things, uh, but certainly a team that offers little promise for anything good in the immediate future. Um, if that's what's on your mind, give me a call about it. 312-644-6767. It's you and me the rest of the way, guys. We've got an hour. Give me a call. Back to take those calls in just a moment. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.